can open your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 21. The book of 2 Kings, and chapter 21. Just want to get all of this sorted. There we go. All right, guys. So many of you would agree that with the, with the history that Israel has throughout the Bible, through the book of Judges, through the book of Samuel, through the book of Kings, they were not really a nation that we would look at as a very consistent nation regarding their testimony towards Christ. They were, they were up and down, falling into abominable things. Then they were back in praising God. Then they fell back into abominable things. And that was partially, part, uh, uh, partially the reason was for the kings that ruled over them. There were many, many, many evil kings that ruled over the nation of Israel. And that was part of the reason why they fell into these, these abominable things. Um, reading in, in chapter, uh, 2 Kings chapter 21, I want to speak to you about, uh, I want to mention two kings quickly. And 2 Kings chapter 21 and, and verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. Now again, going back a little bit, before Manasseh, Hezekiah, I don't know if you guys remember the story, but Isaiah preached to him and he was about to die and he prayed and Isaiah got back to him and said, you need to put some figs on your boil. That, that, that's the Hezekiah, that's Manasseh's dad. Um, Hezekiah's dad was um, uh, Ahab, very, very bad king in the nation of Israel. So leading up to this, they, these guys didn't really have a lot to work with due to the fact that there were no king in Israel um, that did um, the things that God wanted them to do. So Ahab didn't do that. Hezekiah tried to, then he did quite a good job. Manasseh came in, his son, and look there with me, 2 Kings 21 and, and verse 2. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, after the abomination of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. So Hezekiah destroyed Ahab's idols. Then Hezekiah said, Lord, we're going to do it your way. Then Manasseh came again and said, whoa, whoa, I want to do it my grandfather's way. We're going to build up these idols again and we're going to serve them. There in the middle of verse 3, and he reared up altars for Baal, and he, made, uh, uh, and he made a grove, as did Ahab, king of Israel, and worship all the hosts of heaven and serve them. And so on it goes, speaking about Manasseh and the evil that he did. Flip over in the same chapter to verse 19. Now we're go going from Ahab to Hezekiah to Manasseh to Manasseh to Ammon. Ammon is Manasseh's son. You're with me, hey, you're with me. It's a lot of kings, there's a lot of names. Ammon is Manasseh's son. Uh, 2 Kings 21 and 19. Ammon was 20 and 2 years old when he began to reign, and his mother's name was Masuth, the daughter of Haruz of Jotbah. Verse 20, look at this. And he that did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh did. Flip over to chapter 22. A couple of years later, Josiah. Josiah rebuild it and restructured and he brought this nation back to God despite of what his grandfather did despite of what his father did he said Lord chapter, uh, chapter 22 and verse 2 look with me now and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father he didn't mention Manasseh he didn't mention Ammon he didn't mention Hezekiah he mentioned he went all the way back and said I'm gonna do it the way my great 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 grandfather did David in all the ways David his father, and turned not aside, not, nor to the left hand, nor to the right. Now just before Josiah's time, we see, guys, that the nation of Israel 
is, is in a bad state. They have altogether lost the book of the law for about 60 years. We're talking about the five first books of the Bible. They had no law to work with. They didn't read the Bible. They did which, which they thought was right, which these kings, King Ahab, King Manasseh, King Ammon said, guys, let's do it this way. They had a very economical push and not a very theological push. They said, we're going to do it the, the way that we see the rest of the world do it. Let's, do it this, the, the, let, let's dr uh, drive this economic sense. Let, let's get the money and let's build up the people. Let's give them a lot of barns. Let's, let's do all of that and let's forget the name of God. So right before Josiah was king, the book was lost for 60 years. And as I said, there was a, a specifically a very, very bad time for Israel morally. Um, after Hezekiah, the king Hezekiah, the wheels totally, totally fell off the wagon. And if we view this, uh, I mean, there was a couple of verses I showed you guys, but I'm afraid, looking back in the society that we live in, that we are maybe not there yet, but we are touching the grounds of how immoral and how far from God these kings were before Josiah became king. Why? Because they didn't do it the Bible way. The name of my sermon this morning is Rediscovering the Value. Rediscovering the value. Rediscovering the value of what? Rediscovering the value of this book in your life. Now, as we read there, um, let's start reading in, in, in uh, 2 Kings 22 and verse 8. I gave you a quick backdrop. Josiah was eight years old when he began king. He did things the way his grandfather did, David, great, 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 grandfather did, David. He did things the way the Lord wanted to. I'll read with me there in verse 8. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work that have the oversight of the, uh, of the house of the Lord. By this time, Josiah said, guys, we're going to rebuild the temple. Get in there, clean out the temple, get the idols out, and this, what, this is what transpired while these guys were cleaning the temple. He found the book, verse 10. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the uh, book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Achim the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asahiah, probably depending on what part of the world you're from, that could be Asiah, I don't know, Asahiah, I don't know, Korea, it could be Asahiah, I don't know, maybe that'll work as well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a servant of king saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the word of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book. Our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book. And Josiah said, Nation, church, we're going to get back in line with this book. Now, the moral standard at, uh, in the day and age we live in might not be the reason this book is not lost. 
I'm standing with one in my hand, you're sitting with one in your lap. The chances are there's about five of them in your house, sitting on every bedside table. You can walk into any uh, uh, waiting room, you'll probably find a Bible there. So the reason for our moral decay is probably not the word being lost. But I want to say that the value that we add to this book has tremendously, tremendously got lost between the cracks. You see, the devil doesn't mind you reading this book. He doesn't mind you coming to church. What, he do, what, 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 uh, what is a bother to him is if you take this and live by it. If you take this and speak the words of God. And we look back at history, at the many, many, many Christians that died as martyrs for Christ, as why they died. And one lady I really want to point out to you, I'm just going to read three verses. It's Miss Cicely Orms. She lived in the 1500s. I'm going to read one small uh, segment of this. How this came up to, she's a Christian. She proselytized. She, she openly said that she was a Christian. And this was a very hard time for Christians because they were per persecuted. The, the judges um, in, the, in the government found out what she has been doing. And she was brought before them. And they told her, we are going to execute you. We're going to kill you because of this. You are going to die. Now, the judge after this said, I need, to have, I need to have grace on this lady. And he said, who would have discharged her upon promising to go to church and to keep her belief to herself. The judge said, um, Mrs. Orms, it's fine. It's fine. You know what? We're not, we, you're not going to be burned at this day. Go home, read your Bible, go to church but you're not allowed to say anything to anybody about what you read. A lot of us would say, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. Sure, judge, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Hear what she said. As she would not consent to this, the chancellor urged uh, that he showed more leniency, leniency to her than to any other person. He said, ma'am, it's a good deal. You better take it. You're going to be burned at the stake. Listen again, you can go to church, you can read the Bible, just don't say anything to anybody. Needless to say, she was burned at the stake, not I think the next day at 8 o'clock, she was burned at the stake, joyfully giving her life to Christ. My question is why? Why would somebody do that? Why she added value to what she read? She said, not just do I sit in church and I hear this, but I believe this with all my heart. I believe this with all of my heart, and I'm willing to die for this. This is how important this is. Keep your place in Second Kings and quickly flip over to the book of Hebrews. To the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, and let's read with me there at verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. And the author says here, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. The Bible says here, when you guys need to be teachers, you, one sitting in church for years and years and years, you need to start teaching others. That Word of God 
is lost. We need to get back to the first principles, the basic things, what God said. And that shouldn't be so. That should not be the case. Why? Why is the author saying that? Because these people lost the value of the book that was sitting in their lap. They lost the value. How many do you think, if that judge that uh, accused Mrs. Orms would stand here where I'm standing today, how many of you would be burned at the stake? I don't want to look up because I don't want to make eye contact with anybody specific. But how many people are sitting here today would say, I wouldn't be burned at the stake because I'm sitting in church every Sunday. I'm reading my Bible, but I'm not doing anything about it. So my life would not be in danger. And I think that's sad. And I think for us sitting in church, seeing what our, our, our spiritual forefathers went through, how earnestly they took the Word, what value they added to that. And we take, we sit with it, and we say, well, it is what it is. This is not corruption of the mind. There's people sitting in front of me that's way smarter than I am. We know what to do. It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. I said that the Bible is not lost today, but its value is drastically overlooked. Quick illustration. If I want to absolutely destroy the value of a product, there's two ways I can go about this. The one is, I can just flood the market with it. I just put Bibles in every house, in every shop. I make it cheap. It, everybody gets one. Or I give you a substitute. Something else to say, you don't have to do this. You can do this. There's an alternative. And I'm afraid in life that's where we have. This Bible, it's flooded in the market. I told you everybody has one. There's probably numerous of them sitting at home. And I think the bigger problem is there's too many substitutes. Not valid things, mind you, but substitutes. Churches sitting and saying, you, you don't have to do this. You, you, you can do it this way. You, you, you don't have to preach the gospel, but you can do it through a relationship. And maybe six months down the line, you can, you can share the gospel with them. I get that is a way, but it's not the only way. It's a substitute. You, you, you don't have to make time for prayer. You can just, while you drive, pray. I get that is a way to pray, but there's definitely more int intimate ways of praying. No, no, but, but I read my Bible on my phone. No, 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 no but, but, I, but I'm listening to sermons as I drive. That is not a substitute for this book. And I'm afraid because of the flooding of the market, because of the substitute, we as a congregation, as a society, has lost the value of this book has lost the value of what this book can do for us. One thing we cannot deny. Turn to James quickly. Keep your place in Second Kings. This is just the introduction, mind you. The book of James. James chapter 4. One thing we cannot deny, and I want to plead with you this morning, please see this verse. See what it has to say. And apply this to your life. James chapter 4 and verse 17. I said that everybody in here has been exposed 
two, not one, not two, but countless messages coming from God. Countless church services, countless witnessing opportunities. You know what you need to do. The Bible says in James 4 and verse 17, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. There's so many of you that knows what the Bible has to say. Why are we not doing it? There's a sin of commission, there's a sin of omission. A sin of committing is doing something that God says you shouldn't do, you do it. A sin of omission is God says you should go and do it, and you don't. That's a sin. How many of us sitting here today know what this Bible is saying? We know how to do good, but we're not doing it. It's a hard issue. It's not a head issue. And that's where the name of the sermon comes in this morning, is, is I have found the book. We have found the book, but we need to rediscover the value that this book has. Before we get into the three points here, I just want to bow our heads and, and have a quick word of prayer. God, we stand before you, sit before you, kneel before you this morning, Lord, and, and we, we pray, Father, earnestly, God, earnestly pray that you would meet with us here today. God, we cannot, we do not want to do this on our own. Father, we have the Bible as, as guideline, but it's useless if we don't use it. And Lord, I pray this morning, Father, that the, that the eyes sitting in front of me would not be on me, Father, but that it would be, be down looking at your word, Father, looking up towards your throne and understanding, Father, the value of what we have access to. God, please touch the heart of these people sitting in front of me. God, start, touch the hearts of people listening to this online, God. Please, Lord, I am begging you. This is your word, Father. And I pray that you would do the work in these people's hearts here this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first point I want to I wanna point you to this morning is in 2 Kings 22, as you guys were in verse 8. Now we jumped around, we looked at the history of Israel, we looked at, at what, how this is applicable to us today, and, and I'm saying again, the book of the law is not lost, but the value is drastically overlooked. 2 Kings 22 and verse 8, let's read there. And Hilkiah the priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. Just a kind of a PS note, the Hilkiah we read here in verse 8. There's no definite answer to this, but the proof strongly leans to the fact that this is the Hilkiah of Jeremiah the prophet. It's his dad. So by this time in history, Jeremiah preached for about five years already. And Hilkiah, no doubt, knew what his son was up to. No doubt heard maybe a sermon on two. No doubt Jeremiah whatsapps his dad or phoned him and said, Dad, I'm going through a rough spot. These people, they don't want to hear. They don't want to listen. I'm not getting through to God. What should I do? No doubt Hilkiah was aware of Jeremiah and what he said. And I can just picture myself as they were cleaning the temple and this high priest, high, this is a high priest, and Hilkiah the high priest, he's the one, he's the, the higher up in the church. 
cleaning the temple. As they're going through the archive there, all the manuscripts, throwing away the book of Maccabees and throwing the book of this, and, God, and he took up this and all the dust. And he, My goodness, what, what is this? And he opened up to Deuteronomy, and he opened up to Exodus, and wow, is this our history? Is this what God wants us to do? Oh, wow. I, I heard about this. My son Jeremiah told me about this once or twice. Oh my, Shaphan, Shaphan, take this and take it to the king. Show the king what's going on here. Show the king. The first point I want to make this morning is there's a reaction to the word of the God. There's a reaction that needs to happen when you pick up this book, when it's rediscovered, when the value, is out, when the value of this book outweighs the value of the other things in life. There needs to be a reaction. You see, Hilkiah did something. It wasn't big. He told Shaphan, take the book to the king. It wasn't big, but he did something. Let's play out another scenario in our head. Hilkiah going through this, throwing away this book, putting away this files, what, what, getting this book. Oh, it's the book of the law. Let's put this in the cupboard. And he just went about. Josiah would never have found out about this. Um, a guy named Micaiah, he would never heard of this. Chapter 23, and we'll look at that now, would never have happened. One man, one man reacted to this book in a positive way. One man said, I'm not going to let this book just sit on the shelf. He gave that book to Shaphan and he said, go, take it to the king. Very quickly, just flip over one page, chapter 23. This was the cause of Hilkiah picking up the book and showing it to Shaphan and saying, you, take this book and go. Chapter 23 and verse 3. And the king, Josiah, stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all their heart, with all their soul, to perform the word of the Lord um, of this covenant that were written in the book. He fell back in love with the book. There was a reaction of one man that said, I am not, I'm going to defy traditions. My granddad did it this way. My father did it this way. Lord, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to walk by your word. Nothing else. If Hilkiah just took the book and threw it, chapter 23 and 3 would never have happened. Never. This was a changed man after Josiah read up, uh, found the book. You see, it's like dominoes. Everybody has played dominoes. Click one, momentum. And that momentum goes until the last domino is fallen. Yes, there might be a stiff-necked, hard-hearted domino that says, I won't fall. I won't fall. Um, Tani, young man, young lady, can I ask that you would fall before the grace of God? Because you might be hindering a large movement. Can I ask that you would humble yourself before God? He says, Lord, I've did it this way for so long. I know tradition says that everybody knows this Bible. Saying I believe in God, it's not even frowned upon. Lord, I'm going to do it the way you want me to. I don't know how many of you have seen the, 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 the tests numerous companies have done, but the, uh, what would it be, the Unsteeklegeit of a yawn. If somebody yawns in a room, everybody starts yawning. 
Can I ask that you guys start yawning this morning? Yawn on Monday morning. Yawn Tuesday. Yawn Wednesday and Thursday. You know when people yawn? Have you seen that in the morning? It's like... Aah! They don't care what the people see next to them. It's the sounds they make, the way they throw their hands. I don't care. I have a yawn and I'm going to get it out. Get your yawn out so that the other people around you can get affected. Put away the pride. Put away what people's going to think of you. Just get to a point where God can use you. You see, there's two ways that you can react. There's two ways you can react. Like Manasseh, he totally for 55 years absolutely destroyed Israel. Or you can act like Josiah. If I can quickly just go off on a tangent here. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, you will have an effect on your kids. On your kids, and your kids' kids, and your kids' kids' kids. You decide if it's going to be one or if it's going to be one of Manasseh. You will have an effect. I can promise you that. You decide if it's going to be good and godly. Yes, it's going to take patience. We read in, in, in chapter 22, verse 2, that uh, Josiah followed at the footsteps of David, his granddad. We all know David made a big boo-boo, right? We're not saying you as a parent or as a grandparent not going to make any mistakes. But David manned up. Psalm 51, he manned up. He said, Lord, create in me a clean heart, God. Don't take it away from me, Lord. I, I need your presence. He defied the traditions of men. And can, can we as a congregation, as numerous facets of life, stand up and say, we are going to defy the traditions of men in the society that we live in, we are going to get back to valuing this book more than what society is telling us. We will not substitute this. We will not. There's two ways you can go about this. Josiah or Manasseh. Grandparents, you choose. And even in that, we see that David had a reaction to the word. That's why he repented. There was a reaction, point number one, to this. My second point that I want to make this morning, a reaction leads to a response. You might be thinking, but it's the same thing. No, 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 no. You react when there's load shedding. Oh, yes, you react. What's the response? The re you react. Oh. Now, the response is what follows. Is it a good response? All right, it's load shedding. Let's go about our lives. It's going to be seven and a half hours, but that's okay. I can read my Bible in those seven and a half hours. Or do I say, oh, you know what? I'm going to make myself a coffee. All right, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm just going to be on Facebook for a while. Oh! How do you react? The response follows the reaction. Now, the, the definition of this, uh, of a response, is it's the desired outcome of the interaction that, lo uh, that, that initially uh, made up the reaction. So that's how you respond to what you are getting. Look with me at verse 11 chapter 22 and verse 11. We get a response here from King Josiah. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. That he rent his clothes. In those times, it referred to deep sorrow. Why? 
he knew the book of the law was important, but it hit him right here. That was deep sorrow. Lord, I'm not living in line with your Bible. I might be doing it like 65%, and society might have told me that that's fine for 65, but you're saying that's not enough. Oh my goodness, Lord. And this is a response that Josiah is giving. An honest response. A response equals action, guys. You cannot sit there and say, yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's nothing. That's nothing. A response gets you up out of your chair, leave this church after the sermon, gets back at work on Monday and saying, I'm going to make a difference because the word of the law, uh, the book of the law is found. And I've reestablished the value of this in my heart. Josiah had a heart-moving response to the book of the law. My question is, what will your response be this morning? What will your response be? Somebody is presenting to you once again an opportunity to get right before God. Saying, Lord, it's been a while. Lord, it might have been 10 years. Father, I, I've never seen you in this capacity. Lord, I've had an absolute misunderstanding of who you are. Or Lord, I, I know exactly who you are, but, but I'm completely omitting so many things that you tell me to do. 2 Kings chapter 23, I'm really going to go through this fast. This was the response that Josiah led up in Israel. In verse 3, we read now that he stood against the pillar and he made a, 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 a covenant with God and saying, Lord, my whole heart, whole mind, whole strength, I'm going to follow you. Verse 4, and the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels, all the altars, all the idols that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the hosts of heaven. And he buried them without, Jeru um, without Jerusalem in the field of Kedron and carried the ashes un uh, unto them unto Bethel. Going through this whole chapter, guys, the whole chapter 23 is Josiah's response to finding the book. He did not just... He did not just burn or broke up the altars. He broke them up, took the ashes, and he went and threw them on, 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 on another place. He said, I'm going to have a response to this. And my response, it's going to be sustainable. It's not going to be an emotional upsweep at church. Woo, love the Lord, get to work on Monday, and then all the emotions is gone, and oh, I just feel weak and, and, and out of it anymore. This is a consistent response where you know God will be there. Lord, the reaction I'm going to have to your book is based on what you've said. The response that Josiah gave is outstanding. How many idols are you going to cast out of your life today, tomorrow, the week to come? Armand, what is an idol? I don't have any idols in my life. One. How many times do we flip through this and I catch myself doing it? I have nothing, I have 10 seconds to spare. This is an idol. I'd rather, because it's easy, it's a substitute. How many idols will you cast out today? Chapter 23 took work. It took work for Josiah. It took work for um, um, Hilkiah. It took work for the congregation. It took work for the nation of Judah to repent. It took work. Guys, it's going to cost you something. It will cost you something. It's going to take an effort. You choose. You're either going to make an effort for God or against Him. You choose. Doesn't the Bible say in Matthew 12 or 30, Jesus said, 
If you don't gather with me, you scatter abroad. That's, that's the two. This whole thing of a draad sitter being neutral, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You can't be a Christian and sit on the fence. You cannot. So stop telling yourself that. If you're not doing it fully for God, unfortunately, you're doing it fully for the devil. It's going to take effort. You choose which effort you're going to give it to. The last point I want to make here today is reprioritizing. There will be a reaction. There will be a response. And I pray to God this morning that the response will be a reprioritizing of these three things. Your schedule, your goals, and your testimony. Your schedule in that Josiah, in, in 2 Kings 23, 21, he brought back Passover and he brought back temple worship. I pray to God that you would realize this morning how important temple worship is. How important it is to be part of a local, growing, God-fearing, Bible-believing church. Sunday morning when you wake up, the substitute is usually YouTube. Sorry for the people watching. I know if there is a reason, I understand but that's the substitute. We're losing the value of this book. The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Let's reprioritize our schedule around this book. I told a student this week, you put everything God wants you to in your schedule, what the church has to offer. Not because the church gets you to God, because this is where you meet with God in a part of so many other places. But you say, I'm going to be at church on Sunday. That time slot is out. Oh, we have friends coming over. Well, friends, we're going to go to church here because this is already this time slot. It's already booked. Sorry, but you either come with or we'll meet you afterwards. I'm not saying be rude. I'm saying reprioritize the value of this in your life and have an active response to this. Your goals, John 3 verse 30 says, He must increase, I must decrease. Lord, not my will, thine be done. God, if you want me to do X, I'll do it. God, it's as simple as that. God, if it's going to cost me my status in the society, if it's going to cost me money, Lord, if it's going to cost me bowing down, if it's going to cost me being humble, God, I'll do it because the value of this book is worth it. It's the value of this book that makes it worth it. And lastly, your testimony. Two things. My time is up. Two places I want to show you guys quickly, then I'm done. 2 Kings 21, 23 and 24. 21, verse 23 and 24. King Ammon. Look at the legacy, the testimony he left behind for his kids. 2 Kings 21 and verse 23. And the servants of Ammon conspired against him and slew the king in his own house. The people under him said, you're not doing it God's way. We are going to kill you. Now, again, I agree that wasn't right. But he was doing it so far wrong that the people in, uh, below him said, there's no way we can save ourselves except killing you. Turn to the book of Second Chronicles. The book of Second Chronicles, chapter 36. Second Chronicles 36. And I pray to God that this would be, uh, sorry, 35. 2 Chronicles 35, that this would be the legacy that you leave. 2 Chronicles 35, let's read from verse 24 there. Josiah went into war. 
He got injured. This is the consequences. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that he made. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died. And he was buried in one of the sepulchres of his father. And all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Verse 25, And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing... Um, and all the singing men and the singing women spake of Josiah in their lamentation to this day and made them an ordinance in Israel. And behold, they were written in the lamentation. And it goes on from there. I pray that that would be your legacy. And if it's not, it's not too late. David made a boo-boo. He got back into it. You will have to humble yourself. How do I do this? Isaiah 64 verse 7 says, you don't have to turn there. Every man needs to stir up himself. Guys, nobody's going to come and say, it's time, let's go. Just like nobody's going to come and tell you you start, need to start exercising. Just like nobody's going to come and start telling you you need to do your job. Nobody's going to tell you to put your phone down. Nobody's going to tell you to read your Bible. It's your responsibility. But just like if I take it on myself and say, I'm going to go to the gym, it's my responsibility to go there. The results are waiting there. I have to go. The results are waiting here. The results are waiting here. Just like we sang, the Bible stands. And I reiterate that. Let's get back to the value of this book. There needs to be a reaction. There needs to be a response. And I pray to God this morning that you would reprioritize. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand, please. Our head bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to close us in a prayer. Lord, I pray this morning, Father, and I thank you for the opportunity we had to open this book, Father, to open your book, to open everything that you have said, Lord. God, I pray that every heart would be dismissed out of here this morning, Father, with a, a burning desire and a, and a sense of conviction where needed, Father, and a sense of, 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 of um, approval where needed, Lord, that this book needs to take its rightful place in our hearts. God, might we reprioritize? Might we get back to the value of this book, Lord? Lord, we trust in you. We have faith in you, Lord. We have faith in this book. I pray, Lord, that all the strongholds, and Lord, as, as, as the idols were broken down, uh, as Josiah broke down his, 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 his father and his grandfather's idols, Lord, that we would do the same. That we would defy traditions and get back to doing it your way, Lord. I pray that these people would be dismissed, God, Bible under the arm, going through this week, Lord, and thinking about the value of this book and how it plays out in their life. I thank you for this opportunity, God, and I pray for the services to come. In Jesus' name, amen.